Tigers Uncaged. Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your hosts, Jesse and Lance. a podcast directed for your medicine hat tigers also the brilliance of this i'm jesse he's lance by the way the brilliance of this podcast not only do we talk tigers gino jumps on but we get to talk to other teams maybe teams that we don't get a chance to talk to very often that are swinging through town and playing the medicine hat Tigers. yeah that's right i mean we try and try and make a, a couple connections along the way, like with yeah. Brad Curl up in Calgary. We've had Dustin Forbes in Lethbridge. Yeah. We've, we've kind of stayed around our central division for most of it, but we're branching out just a touch because, of course, uh, this past weekend, big one against uh, the Regina Pats, and they're going to be seeing each other a lot. The Tigers and Pats are the rest of the way. A lot of people here, obviously, bookmarking Sunday. It seems like everywhere uh, 98 in Regina goes, everyone follows. But we have the play-by-play voice of the Regina Pats, Dante DiCaria with this. More Dante. How are we? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Hey, how long have you been with the Pats? How long have you been doing the play-by-play? This is my second year of the team. I joined last August. Yeah, that's oh, uh, wow. That's quite quite the way to jump in. So, so are you and and Bedard in, in some way, shapes, and forms going through rookie stuff together still? Well, I mean, Connor's got a year on me. He started as a 15-year-old in the bubble. Last year we were together. I was well. I was 24 last year. He was 16. <laughs> this year I'm 25. He's 17. So we're only like eight years apart. So it's been a really cool experience for myself, and I'm sure he's enjoyed it as well. Yeah, now, for someone who's gotten to follow the team for the last two years, and I mean, wherever you guys go, obviously people are following Connor, but they have this rock star appeal. Now you're selling out arenas. You're selling out uh, rinks. Was this the same last year as well, or are you seeing it even bigger this year? No, it wasn't like this last year. I mean, the crowds were, yes, amplified last year whenever he went into a road rink, for example. Uh, Calgary last year when he scored between the legs, I think there was roughly over 8,000 people for that hockey game. Like, we saw big crowds last year, but it's not been anything close to like we've seen this year. And I think a lot of it is because, A, it's the last time that they'll have an opportunity to see this player in these communities before they have to drive for example, to a Calgary or an Edmonton or to Winnipeg or fly to Vancouver to see him play or wherever they want to watch him play in the National Hockey League. And B, the World Juniors just kind of hypes everything up even more. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, like I felt last year, like, I was telling people, like, being from Ontario, I was telling, like, friends and family, like, this kid's legit. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we, yeah, I'm sure he's really good. But they didn't really, like, understand until he popped off at the World Juniors. And then everybody's just texting me going, like, wow, like, like, I can't believe you get to be around this guy all the time. Like, you see him. And I'm like, I've been telling you guys this since last year. You didn't, you didn't take me seriously. Like, I, like, I've been saying this. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were saying the same uh, ahead of Sunday's game as that's going to be sold out of co-op place as well. It's becoming a theme for the past. We were saying the same. Like, yo, where were all these people last year? Because yeah. we've been saying, like, Connor Bedard's l- legit. But uh, you, you kind of talked about a little bit after the World Junior and the bump that seemingly fans have had to go watch Bedard. I mean, 16 goals, 24 points in seven games since coming back from the World Juniors. I I didn't think, Dante, it would be possible for a player of that caliber to find another gear after a tournament like World Juniors where, you know, players like Brant Clark got sent back or Dylan Gunther, and they find their way Mm -hmm. a little bit. But Connor Bedard seems to have found his way a little bit too, and it was a bit of a reset at the World Juniors for him. Yeah, like he was starting to really come on prior to the World Juniors as we went through that BC road trip. I mean, I think he finished his last game before the road trip in Edmonton with a goal and four assists for five points, and then he came back and scored four goals and six points on January 8th against the Calgary Hitmen in his first game back from the World Juniors. Like, he just does special things when the the moment matters most, when the lights are bright, when the team needs him most. And, you know, the team rallies around him, right? Like, they play way better when he's in the lineup than when he isn't. I think a lot of guys really respect him in that room. He's such a team guy. But, yeah, what he did at the World Juniors was unbelievable, shattering all the records. I was looking at his projected stats for the rest of the season. He's actually projected to finish the year with 70 goals and around 150 to 160 points in, like, less than 60 games, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. It's How's nuts. his mindset with stuff like that? Like he 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 could break the record. There's a lot of chatter with him going first overall in the NHL. 
Does that get to him, or does he kind of just block that out and just wants to play and try and get to the, the, the playoffs with the Pats? Yeah, it doesn't phase him at all, to be quite honest with you guys. Like, I've been around this guy six days a week, six to seven days a week, every day for eight, nine hours a day, depending on road trips, maybe longer for the last year and a half or so. And none of this stuff seems to phase him at all. He's just dialed in, ready to go, um, just wants to play hockey. And I think that's what makes him so special is that he just loves hockey so much, right? Like he just wants to have fun. He wants to be with his teammates. He wants to, you know, score goals. He loves scoring goals. And most importantly, he wants to win. And I know he cares a lot about the Regina Pats franchise as a whole. Um, he's a team first guy. He's somebody that cares more about others than himself. Um, I, I can't say it's not in the back of his ni- mind. I don't ask him about you know where he wants to go in terms of the draft and what he thinks about it. Uh, him and I have a good relationship, and uh, we just talk as normal comrades, not about the stars and you know the points and the goals and the this and the that. Um, we just kind of have normal, regular conversation as if we we were to have between you guys and myself, like we are potentially off mic or even right now. Yeah. Like it's just normal, normal conversations with him all the time. He's a normal guy. He acts like just a regular kid. And uh, you would never know if you didn't see his face all over social media and all over the internet and all over TV that uh, he is going to be the next, you know, generational player, right? Like you would never know if you didn't know who Connor Bedard was just by walking past him because he's just a regular guy. It's impressive just to see the way that he handles himself in the in the brightest of lights. Uh, it's definitely not for everyone. He's done very well and. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to sit on on the Bedard talk too long because uh, there's there's a lot of places that are doing it, of course. And uh, as you mentioned, he's always been a team first guy, and I think there are some really interesting portions of this team that are are continuing to try and push the pace a bit for the Pats towards a playoff spot. And uh, I would say from the outside, a lot of people pretty impressed with Alexander Suzdalev. But what have you seen yeah. from the the Russian import a second round? pick in the import draft and what he's brought to Regina? He's been fabulous. Um, he's jumped up and down between the second and first line. He's played a lot with Connor. He's played a little bit on the second line as well. Uh, he's somebody who has a skill set that is NHL caliber. Like He's tried the Michigan at least five or six times this year, hasn't <laughs> scored it. But he did back in Sweden last year before being drafted in the third round by the Washington Capitals. He's somebody to me in which is a specialist player in, in which he is so good at not not just one thing, but one particular item on the ice, and that is on the power play. He is automatic from the top of the right circle. He scored from the right circle last game. He's somebody who has a bomb from the right circle. This year on the air, I've been calling it Susie's office because <laughs> he can just let it rip. Like, he's that good. He is that talented. And uh, his skill set is through the roof. You know, he has the size. He's 6'3", about 175 pounds or so, give or take, depending on the day, you know, He's, uh, I think he's going to be an NHL player. Obviously, there's lots of other pieces to his game that he has to you know, work on. Uh, I think defense being one. And you know, I'd like to see his five-on-five play improve a little bit better. That's the second thing. But there's no one saying that he can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's just his first year in the North American-style game. I use Stanislas Fosel as an example. Last year, he was phenomenal. 41 points last year for the Regina Pats. I thought he was outstanding. This year, he's been even better, and I'm sure you guys want to talk about him as well because, I mean, he's averaging like 1.4 points per game as a defenseman this year, which is ridiculous, and he's on pace for like 80-something points this year as a D. And he's missed X amount of games due to the World Juniors. Right, like last year was a real adaptation to him, like adapting to the league. This year, he's just taken off. And imagine what Suzlev can do next year with the Regina Pats. He's already leading all rookies in scoring, and he's top 10 in points, next year when he comes back, I would assume as a 19-year-old, he'll even be better because, A, he'll work, be worked on, he'll be working on everything that is asked of him, and, B, he'll be kind of used to the quote-unquote North American-style game. I hate saying it. Like, honestly, it's hard to even roll off my tongue because <laughs> I love the way the Europeans play. I hate the whole North American-style game, but you know what? Like, it actually really is different. They do play differently out there. I love the way the Swedes play. I love the way the Finnish players and Russian players play. It's fun to watch. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess the proof is in the pudding that our game here in Canada and the United States is different. Yeah, it is It is different, right? And the ice surface, just uh, everything happens at a dif- dif- different speed, right? It's a little bit higher pace. 
But but Svozel, I remember we got to see him at the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge yep. when it was here in Medicine Hat a few years ago, and you just saw that player and the way that he was able to take off. And, and now, I mean, he's really the cornerstone on a blue line that is going to be heavily relied upon, I would think, uh, it's down the rest of this stretch, right? I, I mean, when you look, Dante, at the schedule for the Pats and – uh, this central division trip right now that, that the Pats are on might be one of the more important trips that you're going to see the rest of the way. Yeah, I would agree with you guys. I mean, they're, they're battling with Medicine Hat in the standings. They're battling with Leverage. They're five points back at Calgary in the Eastern Conference standings. These are must-win games. And I think in Red Deer last night, the team getting a point against a really good Red Deer team is, is a huge accomplishment. Yes, they wanted the two points. Yes, they had the lead after 40 minutes of play. But like, they didn't fold the tent. They were down by two twice at two different times throughout the game. They were down 2 nothing early in the first. They were down 3-1. Then Connor made it 3-2. And then in the second period, they popped off with three goals to take the lead after 40 minutes of play. And then they had the 5-4 lead. And unfortunately, a great shot from Ben King went off the back bar and in. But then the Pats, you know, really locked it down in the latter half of the, the third period. I think they had an idea, or at least the coaching staff had an idea, saying, okay, we need to get at least a point out of this one. Like, We've played really well. There's a lot to be proud about. There's a lot to take away from that game heading into tonight's game against Calgary. Let's not lose a point. The team needed to get a point last night. They did, and I think that's something they need to be proud about. I know the team definitely wanted two points, but I'm sure looking back at things towards the end of the year, they will be happy with a point against a team like Red Deer because they're so talented, they're so good. And for an example, last year, the team missed the playoffs by two points. So these points are incredibly important against top teams. If you can get say, a point against a really good team, a top-five team in the league, you'll take that any day of the week. What's it been like, even the, not even Connor, but just the team in general, even yourself, that you're on this road trip and you're calling these games, you're playing these games in front of sold-out crowds? I mean, Red Deer last night, you had over 7,000 people in that barn. Yeah. It's been a while since that happened. Uh, I believe we were looking at Calgary this morning, and it was going to be 17,000? Yeah, it's, it's a sellout. It's, it's like the second time that they haven't been able to sell that building up for for any game, and the last one was like a random game against the Kootenai Ice. Yeah, so I mean, these barns aren't selling. Like, we, if you look at like WHL highlights in every barn, it doesn't seem like the attendance is where they want it to be. But when you guys are traveling, you're selling out barns. <laughs> are the boys? Do they get nervous? Do they get butterflies when they're no. about to play in front of a packed house? Maybe tonight because they're close to twenty thousand people. But yeah. I think the team rallies around it. Like, look at what they did when they went to BC and they had all those big crowds. They finished that trip. NBC four and one five and one total as they finished it in Edmonton. So no, I don't think the crowds phase this team at all. I think it only amplifies things. I, I think it rises the petard uh, to the occasion. I think it makes guys like Tanner Howe and Swolzo, Souza, Lev, the rest of the team just play that much better. It's been really fun for this group to be around these crowds for a lot of these players. Um, I hate to say it, um, even for myself, I don't think they'll ever play in front of a bigger crowd and. You know, even if you look at guys that might play in the National Hockey League, a lot of rinks don't hold 19,000 people. For example, mm, yeah. being from Ottawa, I think that rink only holds like close to 16, right? Yeah. And this is a junior hockey game. <laughs> junior hockey game. Some of these guys m- might never play in the NHL. Most of them won't because it's that hard to make it. So I think the guys will remember this for the rest of their lives. I know I will. Yeah, it's it's going to be absolutely electric there in, in Calgary tonight, dude. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned Tanner Howe, as as a fourth-round pick when he came through the WHL draft, I don't know that anyone, you know, maybe had the, the breakthrough season last year in their minds for, for Tanner Howe, but 69 points in 64 games and uh, showing that it's not a flash in the pan above a point per game again this season. And it, just what does Tanner Howe do well that, that makes him such an intriguing player for the Pats? He's going to be a top 10 or top 15 first-round pick next year in the NHL, and I'll tell you why. He is incredibly smart. He has hockey IQ that is through the roof. He thinks the game at a high level. He thinks the game with guys like Connor Bedard. Uh, he's fantastic two-way player. Like This guy can play at both ends of the ice. He's incredibly responsible. He's really good defensively. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He is what an NHL team wants in terms of a guy that thinks the game at a pro level, thinks the game at the NHL level. And that kind of translates seamlessly rather than taking a guy who has all the skill in the world, but can't think the game with the best in the world. Tanner Howe has everything. He has the skill. He blocks shots incredibly well. He PKs. He plays on the power play. He's a Swiss army knife. He can play anywhere. And I think I'll use this as an example. 
on the power play this year. He began the season at the flank, bombing one-timers. Last year, majority of his goals on the power play came from the flank. Mm-hmm. This year, due to the roster that the Pats have of lo- losing a net front guy like Nyhoff last year, they put him in front of the net, and he did a great job in front of the net, but maybe a little bit of his points went down because of it because he was the guy screening the goalie. And then when Zach Stringer came back into the fold, uh, Howe went and moved to the bumper and then back to the flank when Bedard was out of the lineup, and he did great. Right. Like, this is somebody on the power to play that can play anywhere, and he does it great, right? Yeah. Any PKs. Like, he plays on the penalty kill, and he's your best penalty kill. He blocks shots. And I was talking with one of the coaches uh, last year about this, and I asked him about Tanner Howe's shot blocking ability. And there's two different ways of blocking the shot. There's being fearless and throwing your body in front of the puck and blocking it with your chest, your face, whatever you want to do. And then there's what Tanner Howe does. He always takes it off the shin pads. And you might say, well, why? Because he's always in the right position to block the shot. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. Yes, you want a defenseman that's fearless that will throw his body in front of the puck and, and try to make sure that it doesn't go in the net. But Tanner Howe being the guy who kind of forechecks, well, I shouldn't say forecheck, but like kind of shadows the guy with the puck on the power play, is always ready to block the shot, and he takes it off his shin pads every time because he's at the right position at the right point, and he is in the right spot for the puck as it's kind of going off the player's stick to hit him in the shin pads. But that's kind of a little thing that I, that I talked about with the coaching staff last year, and that he's just gotten better at, at it this year. I mean, that Regina team, it, it is... Uh... It's very fun powerful. to watch. Very fun to watch. I've noticed there's been a lot of high-scoring games. That must be a lot of fun for you to call. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, unfortunately, I, I'd like to see the team give up a little bit less goals. I think Drew Sim has played great this year when he's been in net. Um, the team, a little bit up and down on the penalty kill. I'd like to see that improve. But again, uh, overall, I mean, the team knows how to score goals. There's no question. Yeah. They just need to... They just need to find a way to keep the puck out of the back of the net. They they need to do that a little bit more better, and uh, if they do, then uh, they'll be in good shape. Were you surprised at all uh, of the Pats and the trade deadline? If I remember correctly, I think the Pats did a, a very late trade with Everett. Mm-hmm. I may be wrong in that, but yeah. I, I know there was a lot of talk, and let's be honest. Connor wasn't going anywhere. There, there was always talk that yeah. you know he could, but there it was, was fun no to chance. talk about. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, were you a little surprised that maybe the the Pats didn't go get a little bit more help as they are preparing to go to the playoffs this year? Yeah, they added a depth piece in Steel querying from Everett for a fourth round pick in twenty twenty six. Given if you guys look, Stephen Caldwell, follow him on Twitter, and uh, in his bio he has a spreadsheet of all the draft picks for all the WHL teams and jur- and. And if you look at that, you'll see that the Regina Pats uh, don't have a lot of high picks. They don't have a first-round pick in the next two years. So, they, uh, unfortunately, to be quite honest with you guys, they just couldn't afford to give up any more draft picks for players, Like just to be brutally honest. Um, they traded you know, three picks for Sam Maremba, who's expected to be a really good player in the future. He was picked seventh overall by Seattle in 2020. He had a great game on Wednesday against Randier, his best by far as a Regina Pat. And I just... Yeah, I, I just like if you don't have the draft picks, like you need to you need to bring players in. Like yeah. you need to be able to draft players. And I think what we saw with Swift Current so many years ago, where they really unloaded everything and almost had no draft picks left, and then went and won the league championship. Obviously, it paid off, but and then they were just absolutely brutal for so many years to come because they had no players to bring in because they had no draft pick. Yeah, like like. They, they, um, just like again to be honest unfortunately they just didn't have the capital to trade away in order to bring in players and um, as unfortunate as it was the prices were absolutely like astronomical yeah, they were insane. Like, what are you going to do like, what are you going to do yeah yeah, and I would imagine that you know there there was in in the Pats case looking to buy but you, you see the prices and I know in the Tigers case like if they were looking to buy it's a similar deal um, did you did you want to go and and make a make a buy, send out a bunch of picks, and try and you know accrue for next year when when the the hype around here, of course, is surrounding Gavin McKenna joining the Tigers next season? Do you want to like go get some guys for that, or if you're trading and you're going to sell guys away, doesn't make sense. But wh- where's that price point yeah. going to be for teams, right? Yeah. Like where do your guys fall in? The market got real weird at the deadline this year, and and I think y- you make a good point that the the prices for even, you know, like maybe a third-pairing defenseman or a third-line center got to be too high for, for teams like the Pats that maybe would have poked around and, and looked to get some guys. Just the, the, the prices weren't there, and, and that's kind of the unfortunate 
reality that some teams are put in. Yeah. But I, I do think that Sam Aremba is, is one of those guys that that that's going to p- pan out to be a pretty good pickup for for Regina. Um, is, is there a whole lot of conversation surrounding Aremba coming up at the draft, or or is it? Um, maybe you know into next year as as a, a late player. Yeah, he was listed to start the season C level prospect by NHL Central Scouting's preliminary rankings, and uh, he's not on that list anymore. And Borea Vallis is now on the list, but I, I I hate to say it, I don't see him getting picked in this year's NHL draft. Um, he's got I think less than or just over ten points this year. Uh, he has the side, he has the speed, he has all the skills. He just needs to put it together at the WHL level before he gets selected in the NHL draft. I mean, last year the Pats had two guys ranked late, and they both didn't get picked. So not always, just because you're ranked by NHL Central Scouting, you get picked. But again, um, you have to be around the list or on the list in order to get picked, I think. And uh, unfortunately, he's not anymore, and I'm looking forward to see if he can get back on. Yeah, and I think it, it, if Sam, for whatever reason, ends up listening to this, so Sam, listen, uh, and anyone who's kind of in that same spot as well, if you're on Regina right now, you have a great opportunity because every single night you have a lot of damn eyes on you. So oh, there's yeah. there, there's yeah. no lack of people that are watching and and you know poking and prodding around. So no matter how the the you know first forty some odd games have gone for your season, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of you know road to make up that you can kind of put yourself into a at least a, a mid or late round conversation yep. through the end of this year and depending on playoffs if that's the case. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity there still for guys like Aremba, for sure. Dante, last question for you. Uh, just surrounding the Pats and, and your last little push here, uh, final third of the season, just what, in your mind, do you think you need to see from this Pats team if they're going to uh, make a push for a playoff spot? I want to see what they did last night, and that's show resiliency, don't fold the tent, and play collectively as a group. Hockey is a team sport. And as we've seen this year, uh, with the Regina Pats being a prime example, uh, you can't win with having the best player in Canada you have to win by playing together as a team. Good defense, good penalty killing, good goaltending. You guys, like the team needs to play as a team. Yeah. It's not basketball. Basketball, you can win with two or three guys. Hockey, everybody needs to play well together. They have done that pretty consistently over the last seven games in which they've gone four, two, and one. So that's a positive as well. They're playing over 500 in the last seven. But again, uh, this is a team that needs to play for each other, for the man next to them, and not for themselves. And I'm, and I'm not saying they have, but I'm just saying in order – for this team to finish higher than eighth and make the playoffs, continue the playoff push, they need to play together as a team because, you know, there's still some talented players throughout this roster. We've talked about, you know, obviously a few of them, but there's other guys on this team in which I've liked the way they've played. I mentioned Arembas play. You know, Zane Rowan has looked good recently. Other guys have stepped it up as well. So they just need to get, uh, you know, buy-in and contributions from throughout the lineup. And, uh, you know, We'll probably see them in the playoffs if they do. Consistency, always the biggest key at this level, right? Uh, Putting a consistent effort uh, each and every game. Hey, Dante, we appreciate uh, your time, buddy. Appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Congratulations with all your success. I mean, two years in, and you're going to be calling the game in a building with over 20,000 people Yeah, enjoy that moment, man. I mean, pinch yourself and make sure you're still awake. (laughs) I will be doing exactly that tonight, boys. I might shed a tear. We'll see. Well, enjoy a beer either during the game, after the game, whatever. Just take (laughs) a drink, but make sure you have a beverage. Shed a tear. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There hey, you man, go. we can't wait to meet you formally uh, Sunday night at Co-op Place. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thank you again. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged. Uncaged. More roar. Hey, wild ones. Are you ready to take this relationship to the next level? Ooh, la, la. We're talking friends with benefits. Yes. And the benefits are wild. Visit wild945.ca and sign up to become an official wild one today. We'll hook you up with concert pre-buys, exclusive contests, the latest news from Wild 94.5, and more. Wait, there's more? Oh yeah, way more. I want more! Every weekday, Jesse and Lance will randomly select one official Wild one and surprise them with a $10 gift card to Tony Roma's. That sounds riverific. Wait, is that a word? It is now. Become an official Wild one today with Wild 94.5. Medicine Hats, new country. Medicine Hats, new country. The Wild Disconnect might be one of my favorite games. And Medicine Hat Brewing Company might be one of my favorite prizes. 
Jesus. There's just something so satisfying about hanging up on people. How do we ever do that normally? You just click the button, poof, gone forever through the floor. <laughs> we love the wild one. It's the Wild Disconnect with Wild 94.5 at Medicine App Brewing Company. Weekday mornings, Jesse and I get three callers on the line for a trivia showdown. Get it right. You move on. Get it wrong. Bye. Disconnected. Be the last one on the line and you win $20 to Medicine Hat Brewing Company. That's a win, 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 win. The Wild Disconnect. Woo! I love it. Weekday mornings at 840. Wild 94.5 Medicine Hat New Country. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold. Welcome back to Tigers Uncaged. It's Jesse and Lance. And of course, we could not do our podcast without our good friend who we haven't got a chance to talk to in quite some time. Too long. Too long. The play-by-play man for the Tigers. Gino's in the building. Gino. Thanks for letting me in, boys. It was locked, yeah. but I still snuck my way in. <laughs> yeah, well done. Welcome back. Uh, first question. Is LA Knight one of the best characters going right now on WWE? You know what? I haven't watched a lot of WWE yeah. lately. AEW guy, aren't you? No, I just haven't. <laughs> i just been... So damn busy, and yeah, I just okay. fall asleep when AEW's on. All right. Well, but I was just asking because we were getting into the LA Knight, the story I, from Royal Rumble, right? And yeah. Like, what was this Mountain Dew pitch black? It wasn't match? great. It to wasn't watch. Like, it just it was like, a glow in the dark match. It was bad. I mean, that sounds like something that you and I would do if we were working for like Can Am or uh, CWE. Or something. A pitch yeah. black yeah. match is something I would do with a girl that I was crushing on in high school. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who won? <laughs> We're both Everyone's winners. a winner. <laughs> Everyone's a winner. No, like I love his like costume and stuff. So. I just like the uh it's like a new age stone cold that's turning into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing will beat the what. Yeah. But what? uh Hey, we got a lot of stuff to get into. First off, I want to talk about the Saskatchewan road trip that the Tigers were just on against the Moose Jaw Warriors and that the Regina fun. Pats. They look pretty good. I mean, they they play Moose Jaw every time. They play them very well. Play them hard too. Like I thought they were excellent. I don't think there was a real blemish to their game. It's just I think just the lack of experience of locking down games and that. Well, they had Moose Jaw by by the stones. I think for the longest time they weren't creating and a five on five. The Tigers were once again, Lance. How many times have we talked about this? Mm-hmm. Stay out of the damn penalty box, mm-hmm. and you're going to do some great things. But five on five, I thought the Tigers were a way better team than Moose Jaw, and it 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 trickled over into that big game against the Regina Pats and Connor Bedard. And same thing, yeah. Oh, early power play. I'm thinking, all right, this is going to go one of two ways. 98's yep. going to either score or we're going to kill it off. And well, 98 scored, yep. so that's what happened. And again, five on five, this. Tiger team is making people pay. And I, I loved in that game, maybe more with the Moose Jaw game first, just, you know what, that was a tight game. That was great goaltending by Connor Unger and Beckett Lanko. That was really good. The defense of, you know, Matejchuk doing his thing with Warner, and then you had Krebs and Parsons doing their thing. Like, there were some really good defensive matchups and great, there was great coaching in that game. Mm-hmm. Like the matchups were so great, and that again carried over to Regina, which is obviously the highlight of this week. Is when you're going five on five with Regina, when '98 stepped off the ice, it was it was a free for all. Like mm-hmm. it was Tigers in the offensive zone. Drew Sim looked really good for 40 minutes, gave his team a chance, and then it finally just finally came to fruition. Bogdan's hot ass played probably the greatest game of his life against the. The Pats. He's actually been really good the last three or four games for the Tigers. So had a lot of things happen and go their way, and they did it without power plays. Right? It was a f- those were five on five goals. The Braden Bame slide pass over to find that open Tomas Mercik shot for the game winner was how nice was, was that? that? Was a chef's kiss. Oh. I'm, I'm just thinking, kid, you just got to score here because yeah. With me with Mercik, he's either putting it in the chest right now or he's sniping a top corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There's Isn't no in truth? between with him. But he got himself to a hard spot, too. Oh. Like, he got right in between the dots and, and was able to make good on it. But you just haven't seen Mercik be able to get there as consistently no. as pr- he'd probably like this year. And he, oh, like that, that was one of his better games, too. It was just, you're back to Tiger hockey. Four lines and Willie DeJardin, I think, just with the coaching matchup against John Paddock, knew what he was up against. He didn't shy away from his plan. He didn't adjust. He didn't reunite. He didn't take Botrov off that line with Weisblatt and Basha, which is another story altogether right mm-hmm. now, by the way. Goals in three of his last four games. Like, that's wild for a guy who did not play def- did not play forward yeah. three weeks ago. I know. He was a yeah. defenseman. Yeah. So it, it's crazy. I got to, like, adjust my game notes because I still have him as a defenseman. I'm like, when do I actually 
does he stay forward? I don't know what's going to happen there. So, yeah, is there any idea what is going to happen with Botrov? Like, I have with, zero idea. With this lineup, in seemingly getting healthier, like I don't know if I haven't seen anyway. So maybe you could tell us, or if you're under a cone of silence, but where Brendan Lee's at. Brendan Lee would like to go this weekend, but I don't think it's going to happen. If it does, right. color me fooled. So I kind of heard he could be up in the air. I, I, well, he wants to play because I saw him at Hockey Hounds yesterday, and he's like, you get a tweet when I come back into the lineup? I was like, well, I'll put you on the lineup card like everybody else does. Right. So, <laughs> so, so he's eager to get back. That's a good I sign. Think he's two to, I think he's one to two weeks away. I think pushing him now, I, I wouldn't mess with it. You're still you're a handful of points away from being in seventh in the in the Eastern Conference. I would see how this weekend goes. If you can beat Lethbridge for the first time since opening night, I think every time you win a game, you can kind of push Brendan Lee back a little bit. Right. When you're losing games, yeah, you might hurry up with the 20 More desperate, right? So that's kind of where I see with him. So, But, again, your full lineup, where does Brendan Lee play? Do yeah, that's wanna, a great question, wanna, too. Do you want to take Pasha Botrov off and – as crazy as it sounds, I don't think you can. I don't want to. <laughs> like, I, I like this. I honestly don't know that you can. It fits Curtis Smythe into a better spot being uh, on so on the blue lately. line, right? Like, he's just steady. It you literally kind of, have a shutdown pair in Josh Van Mulligan and yeah. Curtis Smythe now. And they were you great. have a true one. And it allows just a little bit more speed up front, too, because Botrov can kind of wheel up and down the right side of the ice, which is... He can fly. Which is really... It fits his his mold and his style of game really well, and then... It allows a little bit more depth down the lineup because, I mean, you were mentioning, and I mean, we've seen how many times when the Tigers were at their heyday, even when you go back to just before the pandemic hit, the Tigers were able to roll three, four lines oh. at you oh, yeah. constantly that yeah. were applying pressure, and you need that lineup depth to be able to do it. Yeah. And it really kind of, it, it's crazy to say, but it feels like Botarov allows that depth to, to really surface. And not to knock on previous Tiger teams, but ever since the pandemic, we haven't had that. We've no. had one consistent line, and you just hope for the best in the other three. But it seems like we're slowly getting into that, hey, we got a full team now. I mean, the reality of last year was, look what happened before and after Svikovsky was dealt to Seattle, 100%. Right? I mean, he came back from Pittsburgh camp and was dominating and putting up points, and then he goes away, and suddenly there's that massive void, and you don't have the four lines to roll. He gets um, traded. He's still the leading point getter for the next three, four weeks. Wa- and he's oh, been no, gone. longer than that. Yeah. It was a while. It's it was crazy. it was a it was a crazy amount of time. I think I, I I think everybody forgets what happened. You know what? You go to the rink last year. What happened? Yeah, right. I don't know what happened. But yeah. I think we need that because yes. now we are like I can I can't really speak for Lance, but being there and seeing the frustration in my eyes, in their eyes as the players, you're starting to see from the ground up mm-hmm. and now you're excited Man, we could make it to the second season this year what's gonna happen next year when we get gavin full-time I, I don't what's gonna happen the yeah. year after the, you're seeing the pedestal being yeah. built you are don't uh don't tempt me with next year yeah don't i know tempt me at all i know because it just we'd have like six hours of it'd be a six-hour podcast there's a lot to like a lot to like for next year gavin's uh, playing this weekend both games so if you haven't got your tickets for the bedard game yeah there's a lot of tickets available for the Lethbridge and game. Listen, you can't shy away from that Lethbridge game. Double, because double Lethbridge, on that one. Lethbridge is a team that, again, we are fighting to get in that spot in the second season. We can't afford to lose any games. Yep. So this game against Lethbridge, just as important as Sunday's game against Regina. Yeah, like I, I went on a very rare late night Twitter thread. I was wondering what yes. was going yeah. on. With you, I was like, you teased this. I don't do didn't have had an extra cup of coffee. Yeah, I don't do very that. often. I, I try <laughs> to stay off Twitter or just anything. I'll Tigers read Twitter. Stay off. I'll, no, I just <laughs> I read stuff, but I don't post. Like I'm just not a poster. But I feel like I should start doing it more. I kind of like told myself that I was going to. So I'm gonna just like randomly tweet out stuff like I did the other night before. It's a good time to do it. Yeah, well, it kind of worked out. So like 20 games left, and you kind of go through the history of the Eastern Conference. And 70 points is like a benchmark. If, if you typically get to 70 points, you're at least going to be in the conversation of a playoff spot. Tigers are 24 points away from that now, 12 wins out. Um, they have 20 games left. So you start to, to kind of piece together and you're looking through the schedule saying, okay, where are the tougher games going to be and how does the back end of the schedule look like, right? You're trying to like project everything. And so I tweeted that, like the strength of schedule is actually like pretty middling. It's it's mm. lifted up by a couple against Winnipeg. Yeah. You got a couple against Red Deer, but I didn't include that just because like the Tigers can play Red Deer well. You know they have played Red Deer. You don't well. know what you're going to get great. there. Like they played Regina well this week. They looked really good, even though it went to overtime again. But when you get bedarded, you get bedarded. Right? That's right. Like, that's that's all, right. That's 
literally that's all that's happened. You ask like this in Saskatoon what happened there. They're like, well, we got bedarded. Mm-hmm. And Winnipeg, same thing, but Winnipeg didn't lose to Regina, so yeah. So it's like you you have those games. Kamloops, I, it's I, gonna I, be a fun game. It's too. gonna be a fun game, but I feel like it's gonna be a tougher one than than we may think is going to be, just because I mean right. they are going to a Mem Cup. There, yeah, there's a storyline to that. Yeah, there's there, there's, there's gonna yep. be a lot of obviously excitement to you know have Clouston back in the building for the first time and. What, is, Willie. what does that do to kind of ramp up the players and, and all that stuff? I just think that if you can find a point out of those three games, the two against Winnipeg and one against Kamloops, you're happy. Yes. So essentially you're trying to make hay in 17 games and and pick up at least 24 points within those 17. Like there's there's a total of 34 that are out there in those 17, right? And you, you start to to look at it and it's it, it's basically like playoffs is is starting this weekend for this team with 20 games left. Well, I I thought of playoffs starting when they're way below 500 after Christmas. Like when right. they played Lethbridge, I'm like okay, every game is a playoff game and now they've kind of dropped themselves. They did mention this that they're dropping themselves into three game segments is how they're doing it mm-hmm. and how they do through each one. They've done pretty well. I see a lot of Check marks that have been on there. I think they've won most of them so far. They, obviously, there was those overtime wins that were super fun to deal with. But the Swift Current Broncos, thank goodness for America right now because yeah. they have just run roughshod on the Swift Current Broncos. Yeah. That's big there, too. I think Swift, we were looking at it because we were trying to go through everyone's remaining yeah, there's Swift's schedule. Swift's got a, not a fun schedule. Yeah, they don't have a fun one. Regina doesn't have a fun one simply because of the division they play in. Yes. Yeah. Being in the East Division and knowing that you still have to match up with Saskatoon, Winnipeg. There's no more PAs on there. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's not ideal. Uh, PA is not going to be fun to deal with in three years, but like that's not right now for Regina, right? So the Tigers are actually, like schedule-wise, it, it seems like there's there's quite the opening in comparison to those two teams that we just mentioned. Well, then there's one other team that I look at that I'm not talking about because I, it, they, they're kind of on an island of their own is Calgary. They've kind of slipped a little bit here. Yeah. Like they, I think they have all the skill in the world with what they have up front, but we saw that 7-1 game. Like They did not look engaged or interested at all. Like It was not... Yeah. Minus Beckett-Lanko's brilliant first period in that game before they went ran rough shot, it was you know the Calgary Calgary Hitman didn't want to want to play that hard. So. And the Hitman against Regina and the way that you lose in front of a sold out oh, Saddle Dome, that like hurts. just especially after the first half of the game and how you dominated. I mean, you had almost 35, 36 shots in the first thirty minutes of the game, and then you lose still on the back end of it. Like that's that, that's kind of a tough one. To, that reminds to me of from. the game here because. They had the early shot advantage. They were all over the Tigers. Started and hot, yeah. And they didn't score. Yep. And it's kind of crazy to think. So you look at Calgary, Regina, and Swift. Those are the teams you're looking at. See if they if Calgary falls back a peg. And it seems like Lethbridge is just going to back into more wins again. I, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they found their way into into some wins. And oh, man. I, I think that because uh, <laughs> what they would be lined up to play like Moose Jaw right now. That would be an unreal series. That would be inter- you'd have like a physical and in and that might get- go seven. Yeah, it could. <laughs> yeah, it'd, it'd be it'd like be a, a dog phys- fight because if you're the Hurricanes in a matchup like that, you have to messy like muddy it up as much as you can. You have to make it just a complete slop fest and try and slow down the speed for Moose Jaw because then you're going to get into your game a little bit better. Anyway, that's a ways away. That'll be super interesting. But uh, no, it's just like the Tigers that their best games of the year have to start happening now. I mean, you have to play the best stretch of hockey that you've played in the past two years. Starting this weekend, mm-hmm. like you, you, you've what six, four, and three? I think is the number yeah. since since Christmas or something like that. It, it's somewhere like somewhere mm-hmm. in that in that realm. But you, you need to be even a little bit better. You, you you need points. Yeah, Gino, what has the vibe been like? Especially even on that road trip back home when you're leaving Regina and you have that epic comeback. How has the vibe been? Have you seen a change in this team? Because in the back of their mind, they have to know what Lance knows. And it's like, we got 20 games left. We got to start getting points and wins you know what? in a I, lot of them. I don't really know. Like, they were pretty happy-go-lucky all the way home. Like, when you had a win like that. As they you, should be. And it was pretty cool. Like, when you get to stop at Moose Jaw to get some extra snacks. You nice. Know, you know, it was, the vibe's pretty good. W. Without, without, cher- without sharing what happens on the bus stays on the bus. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like there was any thing like that but you know what at the same time there was still players being pulled up to the front and you're doing some video with Josh Macer and Joe Fraser and Willie Desjardins he's sitting down with about three or four players each there that's still that's still happening that happened after Moose Jaw yeah <laughs> after Moose Jaw so I think it, they're just a very confident like they're just they are confident but they be, there's belief in themselves now I don't think there was 
especially with all those Swift Current games. Like mm-hmm. it just felt like, well, this is it. But they found a way, and how the biggest win of the year might be that Regina game. Could be the turning yeah, point. Yeah, it that might could, be. That could be a turning. That's a huge comeback, yeah. right? Against a and an important rival that you're you know battling with in the standings. When you're two fourteen two and one yep. after forty, and you win and you're down two. Regina had never lost a game mm-hmm. up to going to the third. Really? If you listened on my broadcast on yeah, yes. four five. Uh, yeah, there's a, a one. There's yeah. a 19 and one. The one behind the 19 the and one. Yeah, it's the Mansonette Tigers or the Regina Pats. So I'm, it's been really good. I'm curious on on your thought, Gino, because we've heard, uh, especially after the last couple home games, where the Tigers open things up a bit, and you hear from the post game show whether it's uh, Josh Mays or Joe Fraser, they they say something to the the line of, "We didn't really play how oh. we wanted to play." <laughs> but we ended up with a good result. Then we were turning the puck over. We were playing a little too open. Is it like I just find it almost? <laughs> it, it's I'm trying to find the right way to put it. There's this weird offset between how the team wants to play, not just for this year, but for down the road and, and skill development and how they want to you know put a system in place so that they can be successful down the road. And the the contradiction to this season when they play loose and wide open and how good they are at that style, though it's not loved by the coaching staff. I think it's more of just they can play that loose way, but they've never they when they don't tighten up is I think the biggest fear of the coaching staff for that aspect. You look at they're you're up two one against Moose Jaw with what five minutes to go six minutes to go. Mm-hmm. It was still pretty freelance. They did tighten up a little bit, but not enough. It wasn't like let's burn a shift here just to make sure we we take some time off the clock here. And it's not like you're you're playing scared and taking a knee. I think there's just not that that killer instinct and shutdown quite yet implemented. I think that's just why they say, they say what they say, that they didn't have a great first or second period, which, I again, I guess us broadcasters feel like when you score four, you had a pretty good period. But well, it's, it's, just, it's weird, and I... <clears throat> it's not even just the, the way that it's again. played. Yeah, yeah, you're good. I'll give you a sec. <laughs> it's not even the, the way that they put up four goals, it's more just like, like the turnovers or or the lost possessions, loose uh, losing like board battles, things like that, that will creep in and kind of be an annoying thing for a coach to see, right? Like you don't it want to turn the puck over in the neutral the game. zone. That's right. We have seen that before. That's right. Yeah. But it just at the same time, I, I just find it really interesting because the, what the Tigers seem to do well is score in bunches and get downhill. Yeah, like they they start rolling, they pile up on on the opposition. And they almost track meet you. They, we, we talk about how this team doesn't like to win close games for whatever reason. They like to have three goal wins. Yeah, there's this one goal thing is, nope, let's stay away from it. Don't want it. But it's so interesting that when we, we hear from, you know, different different guys around the team, like they want to be more on the right side of those one goal games stylistically. Yes. And it's just, I don't know if I'm conveying it properly to how I'm thinking it, but it's like they're running gun and they don't want to be running gun. But they're really good at playing that way, and they yeah. find a lot of success I, doing I it. I think maybe to that point, they want that. I feel like Willie Desjardins' teams were very run and gun, and can. But also, he wants to defend first. I think just because you're, you know what, your goaltending, you you need to protect them first. You know what, at times they haven't had a lot of run support, and they're giving up bad goals. I think that's more defense first. Learn how to play defense, then we can teach you how to really run and gun and play a little yeah. bit looser. I think maybe that's kind of the aspect they're trying to implement, just be a yeah. little tighter defensively. They have, they're have they a plus four in goals for and against, which is great. Problem is 166 to 162, if I'm not mistaken, unless that changed. Might even be in the 80s now. In the for 80s, goals yeah, for, sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, like we're, they're still in a plus, despite yeah. some bad losses and big wins. Yep. Like it, you're still on the plus side of that, and I think they would just like to have that plus minus be – more on the plus side. Yeah, the yeah. Widen side. that gap up, or at the very least, uh, uh, allow less. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. hard to imagine a defensive Medicine Hat Tigers team. I'm, I'm trying to look back at the teams that we've had. I don't ever remember a defensive first Tiger team. Yeah, like when when we talk about Red Deer, right? For example, we talk about Red Deer and how they shut down in their own zone. They're up two one, and then <laughs> they play that just uh, lock it in. Oh, and yeah. it's just it's so infuriating and frustrating to play against them because when it's a 2-1 game, the way that they can move 
you're not getting a shot in. It's mm-hmm. getting blocked a lot. Yeah. Tigers have never been like that. I can't even maybe the Bowmeister days we were a really defensive heavy team, but Tigers have always been a team that you're looking at five, six goals a game yeah. that whenever they wanted to, they could go down the ice and score. Yeah, I guess it's like you, you can you can still put up five or six and still be strong defensively, right? Like that, that you you don't need to have one without the other. I just find just from a, a pure game flow perspective that uh, that this team seems to find more success and and beat opponents uh, that that you know try and just trade chances in two on ones like like Mushaw for example I've I've said that one of the reasons they have success against Mushaw is because Mushaw plays a very similar way yes they yeah. like to try and get in transition they'll send a defenseman into the rush they want to have guys cycling down low like they want to play with speed. They're not afraid to take chances offensively. They might get burned on a two-on-one the other way. The Tigers play like can outplay Musha in that style of game. Yeah. Oh, we've so seen it before lots. That's why it's just super interesting because like you still want to develop and plan for the future. And this will be the last thing is just like you want to plan on a structure that you can win with in two years, and and it starts in your own zone. But right now, this team's really good at playing wide open and just trading chances. It, I, it it goes back to you're getting better goaltending too from Beckett Lanko of late. Mm-hmm. I think despite the stat line that would say he has a lower save percentage than Evan May, that that six four game that's pretty good. That's a pretty good Grand Fear game for for that's right. for Beckett Lanko on that one. I think they again just want to really take care of their back end because you look at that Swift Current a couple of Swift Current collapses right. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big thing that they're trying to eliminate. Yeah, let's go shot for shot, but let's. Let's make sure we know how to take care of everyone. And we look at all those failed clears yeah. when they get into trouble. They're still having a little bit of issues with that. And when you tighten up, not to play like campfire yeah. and just like stand around, watch the puck move around you, and and not still be aggressive on it, right? Like I like that. Campfire. Yeah, that yeah it's it's a soccer term, <laughs> campfire defense. You just stand there, hands over here, and just like you're warming the warming your hands. Up. I like it. I like wow. that. That. Uh, I- that's gonna come up this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure uh, it might. You're, that's your fault. <laughs> I hope I don't see it. Uh, it's a campfire defense you don't love to see. Can no. I cut in with one random thing? Yeah, please. We have a sponsor for Rate My Gear. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do. I heard about this. Yeah, so shout out to Jody. Uh, Jody from Escondido, California. So I assume it's a Botrov relation. Or uh, it must like be. That. It's, well, it's an Escondido, and that's where, of course, Botrov's from. And so Jody reaches out, uh, <laughs> sends so me good. an email, yeah, and says, hey, like, we, we've got together a couple bucks and uh we want to sponsor rate my gear because we want to hear escondido more than once and i was I like say it a lot yeah, i do say escondido at least twice a game they want it more apparently they want it all over rate my gear <laughs> and so I, I i was so in and and <laughs> so they so were good. offering to send money right and i was like no 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 don't do it like just just keep your money and make a donation to like uh, a mental health initiative or a food bank locally and, and do that. So Jody sent me an email back with the receipt. Like they, That's the Escondidos made a donation to uh, to feeding San Diego, which Let's is super go. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jody. So Jody. So they've done that. That's happened. So was uh, it gonna be just gonna be brought to you by Jody or just bro- no, brought to you brought by the great people of Escondido? Escondido. Cal- this is now a tourism Escondido ad. This That's is unreal. So I'm, I'm gonna try. We're to not look gonna up. get any sponsorship locally for the podcast, but somebody from California well, is jumping yeah, in. Listen, we got That's that great. one. That's great. So it. I'm uh I'm gonna try and find different Escondido facts. Nice for every rate my gear segment. Yes, and uh, and just try and drop one in the rest of the way. I think we got like 12 <laughs> home games. So now left, every so. home game, they'll be rate my gear. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But we've yeah. we've been doing that no matter yeah. what. Yeah, well, we're going to be into that territory where we're running out of goalies to rate. It's, well, I, we have to do something. Uh, I might have to rate refs. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Um, uh, I'll, I'll be rating something. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because because the fine people in Escondido deserve it. So it? yeah, that was a really cool. Loves that was a really cool story though, and and it shows Shout that out. there's some yeah. some good in people, Hell right? Yeah. So, cool. uh, so going <laughs> to this weekend, of course, it is a, a big weekend for the Medicine Hat Tigers. There are some Tiger fans a little salty that uh, a lot of the marketing has been about Connor Bedard, but that's not on the Tigers. I mean, that's just, unfortunately, Medicine Hat in general. Medicine Hat is, and the WHL for that matter, are just jumping on this Connor Bedard wagon and making it a sellout. So you do what you can. I don't think the Red Deer Rebels are a little upset with 7,200 fans. Well, the Hitman had over 19,000. 17,000. But yeah, it's still a stupid number. You're right. So I want to ask you this. As far Mm -hmm. as the Medicine Hat Tigers go, as the players... They sit there and they get word of this. That this is going to be the highest 
attended Tiger game in the history of so. the Tigers. Well, not even the old arena. Yeah, I can't even say that. Well, I, they said 4,006 for some of those games, but... You think they you might have grabbed the in fog game extra? had 4,006 yeah, in there? I'll just tell you that fire codes are broken for a yeah, lot of those I games. I don't know if 7,000 yeah. were in there, but yeah. for, for argument's sake, let's say this is the highest attended the, Tiger game. In the new rink, yeah. I, in, think, I think the highest since Game 7 against Lethbridge, I think, is... The, I don't even know if we got that high in Game 7 against I looked. The, the highest game on record is just under 6,000. And it was uh, the very, very first game yeah, in the new rink. It was five-something. Yeah, 59. I, I saw that one. So this yeah. is going to be the highest attended Tiger game. Well, in my eye, that's what we're going we with. We just, re- like, at noon when this day is recorded, uh, this podcast is recorded, uh, we're releasing some standing room seats. I don't know how many that is. And so, it, yeah, this is going to be the highest attended game in Tiger history. It's going to be crazy. Now, do the players, do that? they have to know that. That has to be in the back of their mind. Do they even get butterflies for a home game? Does it even piss you off? I think they were they were a little, you know, a couple guys like, oh, you're talking about Badar, but not talking about us. And I'm thinking, ah, guys, mm-hmm. the guy's making TSN every night and. He made Hunter St. Martin famous on that top ten. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it, I, I can see you got to market what you got. Like yeah. when Gretzky came to town in the eighties, or when Gretzky came to your town, yeah. you went wanted to watch, and you'd sit around the old crappy rinks where they practice in Calgary, or like when he was with L.A. I remember the Gretzky mania more so because I was like two years old when he was at an Edmonton Oiler, but just the same effect. Like people stood outside and waited for this guy and we don't have there's hasn't been a player like that there's only one player that i can even think remotely that it has that aura and that was joe sackick in 1986 with the swift current broncos i was not yeah. born when that happened yeah so like, and there's been great great western hockey league players we got a few more coming stankoven zellweger yep. Kamloops. that's gonna be great uh bowmeister was great but it just hasn't had that draw power of connor bedard and that's marketing 101. You know what? Ride that horse till it dies. Yeah, like the hype Why do you think the Pats real, right? didn't trade him? Yeah, no, <laughs> it's I economics. It. I see we could have an economics chat. Yeah. I see both sides of it. I, I see I, I see where the Tiger players come and the Tigers fans where it's like, listen, where the hell were you last year when he showed up? Yeah. Or look at this team now gradually making a run. Where are you? Why are we only averaging 2,000 fans? But then I also see that's you're seeing Medicine Hat in general are jumping on this bandwagon of Connor Bedard and being wanting to go to the game. The March 11th game's already selling. Yeah, to make it 7,000. Yeah. So get so your tickets for that one. Yeah, literally. You have to strike while the iron's hot. You can't get mad at the Tigers for marketing this because well, you're not really selling the tickets. These people are buying the tickets. Yeah. Well, and you got to move the needle, right? I've talked about that thing, what moves the needle every day. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about Connor. Connor Bedard is probably the most interviewed person in the country right now besides a political figure. Yep, probably more than prime minister or a pre or premier. <laughs> yeah. He's has been interviewed more this week in Alberta than Danielle Smith in her tired time as premier, and he's slightly more accessible than than them. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. Slightly, <laughs> and I know that's a rough comparison, but but yeah, you're not wrong. Like you're you're marketing this, and you know what? I'm not a marketing guru. I have a comms degree, which does not mean I have a marketing degree. Right. May I remind people about that very quickly? That's two different realms, but. We, you know, what, we get an opportunity to how are we going to sell tickets, and we look like we got to really hit this Bedard game. Like we have to, like we have to benefit. We, you know what, bums and seats is what every ownership group. I don't care if you're the Tigers, the Hitmen, the the Swift Current Broncos. The Iplex was full for theirs. They it's no to, surprise that attendance yes. everywhere has been down in in every WHL market except when Bedard is coming to town. As of right now, especially lately, yeah, we've like had the all these chats. Like, Medicine Hat should be fortunate, and yet I'm not from here. We've had this chat before. Mm-hmm. He's coming back on March 11th. Yep. Yeah. That could be an even bigger game when you think of the magnitude of what could happen at that time frame. Like that could be the battle for eighth place between the Tigers and the Pats. Very well. Good. They're still in it. Going to be a and lot of. <clears throat> lot of the thing we wanted to right? do with um, with the Bedard game was we wanted to make sure we sold that, and then we just threw a little cherry on top there with. Gavin McKenna is going to play in both games this week. I mean, now so. it's got a great cherry on top. I mean, now you got the present versus the future. That's yep. what you market because now you got Gavin. It would it'd be great. I want Gavin to do very well Saturday night against Lethbridge. Yes. Maybe get another four assists. Mm-hmm. I want, but four I want goals. that first goal <laughs> against Regina. That'd be cool. I want the That'd first cool. WHL goal against Bedard and the Pats just to show 
It's Gavin. I'll say it for Gino, just so in that way he's not uh, <laughs> potentially having a bias as a, an employee of the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, the team, I would imagine, would very much want that to happen for social media clicks. Oh my! Yes. <laughs> Have you seen this? The, when we posted, and this is the phenomena that Gavin McKenna has brought. And Gavin's a great kid. I I try to stay away from. Him. I don't interview him. I don't. Yeah, let him do his I just say, oh, Gavin McKenna's yeah. here, yeah. and I always like, hey guys, you guys know this McKenna guy's here? Yeah. Who yeah. is this guy? Yeah. But when we posted that thing out yesterday that Troy posted I didn't post it but we had it we sort of had it planned mm-hmm. and it's had like 36,000 interactions on the when I look on the back end of meta mm-hmm. it's uh, it's off it's more than the Bedard thing yeah people are very intrigued with this matchup and well, I, I mean there I'm not saying it but I'm saying there is you talk about a Bedard we could potentially have a Bedard a Bedard type Mm-hmm. On our squad, and I feel like that should be exciting enough. It's going to take a little bit more time for Gav, I think. Of course, and but he's been so how many? T- he's had one goal waved off against Prince Albert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those jerks he got robbed by. Um, where did he play? That was the Swift Kurt when Dick came across on that one far side dot on a one timer. That was, and that shot was explosive. I think he's as he's a little closer than we think to catching the Bedard shot. But that shot of but, but you look at that goal last night against Calgary. Mm-hmm. Like I find those shots more impressive than the Michigan. Yeah, because you have I to agree. be one hundred percent correct, or it's rimming out the it's rimming out the back end. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. It's uh, man, few thoughts. Okay, okay, bear with me. Yeah, I love thoughts. these. I love when you have. Yeah, thoughts. I have more thoughts, but I didn't put these in a Twitter thread yet. I might. Um, that's <laughs> <laughs> becoming my thing. Beware, Twitter's coming. A short thread. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For the players, because uh, th- we've we've talked now about ten minutes and and really only mentioned Bedard and McKenna, right? Um, and there's players like Tanner Howe, Suzdalev on on the Regina side. Suzdalev. Um, right. You look at Bacharov to to Bashel, Lindstrom, and Mercik on the Tigers end of things. There's a lot of opportunity whenever Regina comes to town to have your clip be a highlight that you know gets clicked on on social media. <laughs> that makes a name there there's a lot of opportunity and so just because there might not be a spotlight on you right now it's very easy to get one uh and i think you know tanner howe has had the benefit of a lot of scouts eyes being in his building uh or wherever he's playing and he's going to be well sought after in in his nhl draft he's going to be talked about what are you going to do next year right right? and and it, it helps when you have those guys in the building that you need to play well so as a player, you can't look at it as as a frustrating thing that, okay, yeah, everyone's coming out to see Bedard play. Like, I, I hate to break it to you, most of them are. And, yeah. and that's the reality. But it doesn't mean that this isn't an opportunity now for you to showcase yourself. You can still be still turn some heads. Like, you can become someone's favorite the player game. Sunday. Yeah. Right? Beat the guy. Like, I will say the first time that, uh, that May played, a lot of people didn't know of May. They looked at his numbers and said, ooh. But he played that very first game. He... He did very well. Evan yep. May has some folk hero build to him a little bit. Like it's he it's ha- beginning. <laughs> it but the, you're right. I mean, you may be there to see one thing, but all it takes is one other person to mm-hmm. kind of steal that show and be like, well, damn. Like you have, Look at this guy. You string a couple good shifts together, and you can literally become some nine-year-old Tiger fan's favorite hockey player Sunday. 100%. Like You, you have that opportunity in front of you, right? So you, you have to yeah. you have to look at things in, in a positive way. Outlet because it's it's an opportunity for you. It's not it's not they're punching down. They're not you know not going to care about what it is that you do on the ice. Like you're going to have a chance to make an impact as much as the next guy. Your minutes might not be the same yeah. as what Bedard plays because he's probably going to play somewhere north of 20, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. But when you ha- get on the ice, you're going to have an opportunity for the for the f- like fan angle of things because I've seen a lot of this from the, the diehard the the. Tiger fans that are like what we would call P1, you know, those who are always consuming Tiger's content, they love the team. I just don't want them to get into a position this weekend where they become jaded and maybe poo-poo on the recreational fans' experience. Yeah. Like, this is this is a time where, as diehard fans, they've been saying, we want more people in the building, we want more people, we need more people, support this team. Regardless of what they're doing in there, you have a full building on mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah. So be happy about that and make the the experience positive for those yes. around you on like in the building and on social media. Hundred percent. Because even in my aspect of being the host, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to go more than I usually do yeah. because there's more eyes on there, and I want them at the end of the game be like, 
Damn, that was a really fun experience. Have fun. Well, that's uh, in a perfect scenario. This is what I think sh- could happen. Well, if and history has told me anything this week, the game's going to end six five or six probably four. Probably will. Be a high scoring game. By the game. sounds of it, it probably will. You'd love nothing more than it's a Tiger victory, like. Ah, we beat Connor Bedard, but you get that trickle down of like 500 fans. Like, oh man, they're playing Lethbridge this week. Let's go, yep. let's go, and that's the ultimate goal that I have. Is I remember the good old days. Everybody tells me about them. Four thousand and six fans for. It's on the website. You can look website, through years and years. Yeah. Yep. And there's this four thousand six every game. Yep. And that's the goal of the of the team is to have that lower bowl full. I know the second deck is. It's the second deck. It's a bonus. It's been put there for a reason, to be a bonus. Yep. If I could see 3,500 fans there on a regular basis, I know Tuesday game's a little bit harder. I get that. I really do. But a Saturday against Lethbridge, give me three. Give me 3,000. Like, it's... That's what I'm hoping. It's a great chance to expand the base a little bit, right? Have more people come through. Uh, more people get to enjoy the product again. Because I think for a lot of people as well on Sunday, it might be the first time that they've been in the new rink, period. Yep. It might be the first time that they've yep. seen a Tigers hockey game yep. in three-plus years. Um, there, there's a there's a great opportunity, and I just I want, like we all do, we all want the, you know to see the franchise succeed. We want to see the team do well. We want to see people support that team as well. Uh, and there's a lot of different factors that go into it, but on the, the fans' end of things, like there's a responsibility there too. Like be welcoming. Don't be all that negative like on socials like nothing's perfect but let's face it you're gonna have no one's gonna walk out of that building sunday for example and say they had a bad time i wonder if let's put the over under how many it's too loud jesse's too loud (laughs) i don't think i will be loud because there's actually (laughs) people there that's right it'll absorb yeah i'm only too loud when only two thousand people show up only i know that i know that from a couple days ago we were fixing some stuff we took our tech guy over there we were testing the ice mics and then uh, we were running your mic as a test through the ice mics, and it was just echoing the yeah. entire room. So Listen, it, I don't it think I don't think the people up top know where my volume is. I think I've been the exact <laughs> no, they same do. level. They do. They don't just don't touch it. Oh, I for nine years never, I've been the we exact found that same. Out the other day. Yeah, yeah. We did some digging for you. <laughs> oh yeah, so there, it does exist. Yeah, they just don't care to touch uh, it. They're like, ah, leave them there. Yeah, see, so it, it never gets touched. But I'm just really excited, man. It's going to be, be a lot fun. of fun. I, like I, I don't even know how to process this weekend yet. I really don't. I, mean, I got two big games to prep for. I was going to say the only thing that uh, I really want to see come Monday is is uh, ideally four points. Yes, um, that'd be swell. That I'll would take be three at this point. Three would be nice. I really want to see four just because I, I know it can be there. Beat. Yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of those. Like we've lost three one goal games to them. I'm thinking. God love Dustin Forbes, but I don't want him to leave here Saturday night happy. I think <laughs> Forsey's never happy. Oh, <laughs> I'm just yeah, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Friday night, which by the time people hear this will be tonight, is it not the Pats in Lethbridge? On Friday, yes. Yeah, so they're going to fight. They're, they're gonna, sold out. Yeah, and I hope it's just a dog fight. And I hope we get a depleted Hurricanes team, and then we get a depleted Pats team well, that's the, had a very busy week, by the, the way. The Pats yeah. do not play on Saturday. They have a day But, I mean, they played the Red Deer. Day. They played Calgary. They played Lethbridge. They're going to be tired. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's a it's a tough and important road trip for them because, like we were saying, schedule-wise, like they're going to get into some not-so-great times when you have a lot of division matchups left and that uh, is not a fun division to play in. Well, and they've been sw- – and, again, this is, goes back to your favorite segment who starts this weekend. Like, Kelton Pine started against Red Deer. Drew said went against Calgary. Right. So who's going to come out for for Regina on I bet Sunday? you Sim goes for Lethbridge and then back- you get the backup. On Sunday, do you get mm. Pine on the Sunday, or do you go Sim back to back? Like Sim plays a lot. I think, I think that's the only reason because Sim plays so often. And you think, think because they look at it as a big game too, right? Yeah. Like I'm not even playing that game. I know Lankow's playing both. <laughs> I'm not even playing <laughs> that game really? anymore. That's yeah. the quickest. Nah, I'm not even doing that anymore because every time I'm wrong, <laughs> I, I try and think that I know. I, I don't know. I thought. An outside chance that Evan may start Saturday against Lethbridge. Yeah, maybe. Evan's played against Lethbridge twice. I don't if that happens, I'll bring back the segment. But as of right now, it's pretty much back <laughs> okay, in every okay. single. The one time he doesn't do That's it, right. it's yeah, going to yeah. be different. I guarantee it's going to be different now. I guarantee it. Uh, by the way, I, I had to move my pen because I wrote down that uh, since the uh, World Juniors, Connor Bedard has played eight games, has 17 goals, 26 points. Only time he didn't get a point this season was the opening, opening night. night. Uh, so I think it's been like 35 or 36 straight games at the point. Coming into Medicine Hat could be around 36 or well, 37. And he had so he had 25 multi-point games after the Tiger game. So he's got two. So he's got 
27 multi-point games. Right. He had 35 all of last year. Well, shut him down. Yeah. No points. Seems like a good time for Gavin to get his first goal. The one, oh, yeah. the one comment, the awesome. one friend of mine who coached against Ryan Nugent Hopkins at the Max uh, Midget Championships back in the day, uh, they were the Calgary Buffaloes. They won 6-5 in triple overtime over against Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and they said, well, we shut him down. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, he got five points, but he didn't get the sixth. Yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> don't that's get, what happens. Just don't, get, don't let 98 get the last point of the game. And that's a nice tie-in because the last first overall pick from the dub in the National Hockey League, was Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Nugent Hopkins. We did a deep dive. He Damn. only had one good one, year. Well, look at that. You didn't even know. No. He had I, one I good year with the Rebels. One, one really good, good year. year. One really like good year. Like a really year. good year. Yeah. And that one year got him to the number one pick. Be like, ooh, look at this kid. Yeah. And he didn't really... Well, he's okay. He's okay, but he didn't pan out as I think what they wanted. There's he's a made reason. more money than you and I will ever. That's make, also so. true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, he's doing something right. Whatever, Ryan. Uh, Gino, you got to get out of here because you are going to actually have a, a little meeting or a little interview with the man that we've been talking about, Connor Bedard. Yeah, in about twenty-seven minutes. Nice. Well, so that's going to be that. on the uh, the old broadcast. That'll, that'll be on the broadcast on Sunday. We're not starting earlier. We don't do that. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Three thirty. Three thirty. That's going to be. There's going to be a lot. That's I early in. I'm going to be a basket case. Already, you're right. Like, right. I'm gonna be awful for that's, like until the good. red light goes on. I'm going to be. It's gonna be fun. That's what that's what we do this for. I can't wait. I got butterfly. I won't be there Saturday, yeah. but I'll be there Sunday, and right. uh, we're gonna bring it. We're gonna make sure that all Tiger fans, Regina fans, hockey fans have a great time this weekend. I just want to see four points. Four points. I really four points. I really think that this team has it in them to to put some of their best hockey I think you're right. Tiger fans, make sure you get your tickets. I have no idea by the time you hear this if you'll be able to get tickets on Sunday, but I can tell you for sure. There's tickets for Saturday. There's tickets for Saturday. There's lots of tickets. Go watch the Hurricanes. Go watch the Tigers. Ticks.ca. If you can't make either, listen to these two. Wild94.5.ca. Thank you, boys. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season.